this morning we consider uh, the Holy Spirit who brings conviction to the world. He brings conviction, uh, but he uh, also um, uh, brings um, brings grace uh, to those whom he wounds. Brings grace to those whom he wounds. Look, let's take a look, please, at uh, read um, John chapter 15, beginning at verse 26 down through 6, 16, verse 11. When the Holy Spirit, the Helper, when the Helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of Truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. And you also will bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning. I have said all these things to you to keep you from falling away. They will uh, put you out of the synagogues. Indeed, the hour is coming when whoever kills you will think he is offering service to God. Uh, And they will do these things because they have not known the Father nor me. But I have said these things to you that when their hour comes, um, you may remember that I told them to you. I did not say these things to you from the beginning because I was with you. But now I am going to him who sent me and none of you asked me, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I will tell the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin And righteousness and judgment concerning sin, because they do not believe in me concerning righteousness, because I go to the father and you will see me no longer concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. Please pray with me. We ask again, Lord, that you would um, be generous with your spirit, uh, that um, you would remove some of the dimness that so often clouds our vision and distorts our thinking. And so we're praying, dependence upon you, Lord, that you would, you would do your work in us today, that you would do some shaping and some encouraging and some convicting and some convincing. And we ask these things in the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen. The Holy Spirit uh, acts now. The Holy Spirit acts now. He is convicting uh, the world of sin, but he is also convincing the world of grace. This passage speaks much of the former, less of the latter. But we look at it from the standpoint that when the Holy Spirit convicts, he also pours out grace so that we see and we can embrace him so that we come, can come to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. But let's think back what the disciples were going through at this moment with Jesus gone. And he tells them right here again, 
I will be returning to the Father. He will be leaving them. And He describes for them, helps them to get a grip on what it is they are sensing at this moment. Sorrow filled their hearts. Of course it did. He had called them by name. He had enlisted them in His army. He had called them to join up to His kingdom. They had great hopes for the future. But it was very clear by now at this point in Jesus' ministry that the shame of the cross looms ahead of Him. There was, in fact, for them no good news in sight. Jesus even says here that the opposition will be fierce. People will kill you thinking they are honoring God. There's deep sadness. And we can imagine as well that there was a sense of depression. A sense of being without hope. Without a sense of there being any goodness on the horizon. The sense that tomorrow would simply be no better than today, and likely worse. Jesus makes these outlandish comments. It is to your advantage that I go. How could any of them have grasped that even a little bit? To our advantage? For you to be gone? How is that even possible? But he states it very clearly that the Helper, the Holy Spirit that I will send... The Helper will be with you. That is your advantage. The Helper, the Advocate, the One who is called to your side to strengthen you. One of our earlier messages, I want to keep that in mind for you as as these weeks roll by. Called to your side to strengthen you. Oftentimes called an Advocate. A a legal term that that has to do, it, it describes a defense attorney who oftentimes in the Scripture uh, represents or, or points to Jesus Himself or to the Spirit, who is arguing the merits of Jesus' death, the, the merits of Jesus' blood, on our behalf before the Father. This paraclete is described as a defense attorney. That is not what is going on in this passage today. The Spirit instead is a prosecuting attorney. He is taking the Father's case and He is bringing judgment against the world. He is judging them guilty. He is convicting them of their guilt. The first installment of this, if you will, is in the book of Acts, where the Holy Spirit came with power in those last days and He did convict the world. The world in John are those, oftentimes those who are outside of Christ, The Spirit convicting those outside of Christ of sin. Uh, These words from Acts, you killed the author of life. The Spirit convicts them of sin to the point where many of them cry out, what do I need to do to be saved? The Spirit also convicts them of righteousness. What in the world is that about? They have denied the holy and righteous one. Again, a a, a quotation from Acts. They have denied the holy and righteous one. 
choosing their own righteousness to his. And he convicts the world also of judgment because he made his enemies, Jesus made his enemies his footstool. Satan was defeated along with his people. And we may say now nothing has changed. It is still the last days, and the Spirit is still prosecuting the world of its sins, and the world is still rejecting Jesus. The world is still preferring their own righteousness to the righteousness Jesus offers, and the world still stands judged with Satan. Nothing has changed. I don't remember the, the um, platform on the internet uh, that I read this, but this is something that I read uh, of, a, of, a, of a guy putting it right out there. If Jesus were alive today, I'd crucify him again. Nothing's changed. Well, what is, what is the point of this phrase, um, the paraclete, the helper, is coming? He, he is coming to do what Jesus had been doing, and now it is the helper. Now it is the Spirit who's doing this. And the helper, the Spirit, is convicting the world of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. First of all, sin then. The sin is that they did not believe in Jesus. That's the sin of which he is convicting them. People will today, just as then, recognize that Jesus lived, uh, recognize that Jesus died on a cross, um, and then ask the question, but what in the world does this have to do with me? Uh, in, a, in a debate uh, that I, I heard some time ago between John Lennox and Richard Dawkins, uh, Lennox was arguing on, on the basis, part of, part of his argument was on the basis of Jesus' resurrection from the dead. He declared himself to be a God of truth, a, a God of righteousness, a God of power, and a God of life. But a God of truth. Dawkins scoffed at that and said, One man's death 2,000 years ago and presumed resurrection... He said with derision, it is so parochial, so local. What difference could it make for us? The attitude of those who do not see this, it's Jesus as the Son of God. Others, we don't need a sin bearer, we'll take our chances. The Spirit convicts the world. The world stands guilty convicted of denying and ignoring Christ. And this is really a willful ignorance. They cannot even perceive that they walk in death and need life. Don't even have that perception. As Jesus says, whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. The Spirit continues that work of conviction. The Spirit convicts the world of sin because these many do disbelieve. But he is also um, also convincing of the grace of God. In the midst of this convicting of the world, there is also the convincing work of the Spirit of God. 
who works in heart after heart after heart throughout history and today as well, where people are able to say, See, I do see. I was wrong. I am guilty. I need forgiveness. Do you remember the Spirit of God working that in you? Perhaps it was a sudden thing, what we call a crisis conversion, where the light flashed on and you saw yourself with clarity you'd never seen before. You saw the beauty of the Gospel. That is the Spirit's work who convicts, but then also convinces of the glory of Christ. And maybe you've never had that experience. You've never seen with that kind of clarity. The Spirit is offering Jesus yet again today. Come to Him. The Helper convicts the world also of righteousness. This is a strange one. The, world, the Spirit convicts, convicts the world of righteousness. And then the reason just makes it all the more confusing. Because Jesus is now gone. Okay, well, what is all that about? Jesus came into the world as light. And as light, he was exposing darkness. I mean, all the time. You justify yourselves before men, but God knows your heart. Luke's Gospel says that. He came in the early verses of, of, of John. He, he came cleansing the temple. The temple needed to be cleansed. Really, it needed to be replaced with his own body. Because people were coming to pray. People were coming to worship. People were coming to give. But they weren't giving to God. They were giving to, giving to be seen. They weren't praying, first of all, to God, but in order to be heard. Jesus comes in to, to break into sham righteousness, religious righteousness. He went about exposing that false righteousness in people all the time. But now Jesus went to the Father. So what is, what is going to happen next? And that is that the Spirit would take over that role of exposing sham righteousness. Certainly it is through the word that is preached, but it is also through the lives of God's people. We speak the Word, and we live the Word, and the Spirit of God brings not only conviction, but also convincing of the beauty of Christ. You see, this righteousness, <laughs> uh, I, I, I go to the Father, you'll see me no longer, and, I'm, and I'm, the, the Spirit is convicting you concerning that righteousness. It is, it is that righteousness of self. The Spirit is exposing that righteousness of self. That and, and in all of us, then as now, there is an engine to self-justify, an engine inside of us to look good before other people. And the Spirit graciously brings conviction to that. So, sometimes our lives can be so busy that we're performing, we're working, we're trying to present ourselves righteous before God and other people. And, and we're, we're, the, the world is... Gail helped me to remember the name of something yesterday or the day before. Those little wheels that are in, a, in like a rodent's cage, like a mouse or a rat's cage. What are they called, Gail? I don't, a hamster wheel. Did you know that? I didn't remember that from being a kid and learning that. It's a hamster wheel. And some people are on that hamster wheel and they're just spinning it, spinning it, spinning it as fast as they can go. 
and they never get off and rest and say that God has forgiven me my sins so that I can walk now in holy confidence and in peace and now truly in obedience. Jesus gets us off that hamster wheel so that we can serve him appropriately. Now, now today, um, we see a form of sham righteousness in the world as well. And, and we see it in bold print these days. There is much talk uh, in our culture today uh, about uh, people being on what is called the right side of history. And being on the right side of history means that you are now able to see uh, that um, a, a woman's right uh, to her body includes, includes getting rid of any little child that is in her body. Blindly, horribly and blindly and sadly and disturbingly blind to a choice she might want to make uh, to end the life of the little one inside of her and that is called progress. I I say this respectfully um, desiring for anyone who hears my voice, that if you have had an abortion, that there is mercy from heaven for you, just as there is for me. There is mercy. Today, being on the right side of history, so-called, means also that um, complete freedom sexually. And if you say that certain behaviors are unnatural or wrong, uh, and against God's plan, well, then you're a hater and you're silenced. This is, this is the sham righteousness, people, that is out there today. But I do remember, I do remember with great hope and with great thankfulness of a man by the name of Chuck McElhaney, who, along with his wife Donna, were stalwart uh, living in San Francisco at the time uh, the AIDS crisis was at its peak. He was the pastor of the um, Orthodox Presbyterian Church in San Francisco, and he, he preached uh, boldly, carefully, and humbly uh, about the, um, the errors, the tragic errors of, of homosexuality. And while uh, there were people dying of AIDS around him, he did, not, he did not cease from that message. What he did instead was he found... Um, certain people dying of AIDS and he went to their homes or their hospital and he sat with them and he bathed their foreheads with a cool damp cloth and sweetly said Jesus came for sinners like me and you're no better than I am we're both sinners we need a savior These were people who had been showering his home with Molotov cocktails, one splashing through a bedroom uh, window and landing in his daughter's bedroom. And yet able uh, to maintain his eyes on the truth and yet with a heart of mercy. And that is the work of the Spirit. I pray, I pray that as as a Christian community that in the United States today that we would get we would get that, however we need to apply it, that's however we need to apply it in our particular circumstances, but that we model, 
we model the truth and the beauty of righteousness, but do it in a way that can come alongside and not stand away and, and be right. We need grace to do that. And the Holy Spirit uses those acts of love to soften starts, hearts of stone. Well, thirdly, uh, the, the Holy Spirit brings judgment because the ruler, the ruler was judged. Satan, of course, was a liar from the beginning. Um, he is the liar. He is a murderer. He is a deceiver. And yet, uh, Colossians says that, uh, that uh, he was put to open shame by Jesus' triumph in the cross. Open shame, defeated royally and publicly uh, by the death and the subsequent resurrection of Jesus Christ. John goes on to speak about the fact that uh, Satan's children mimic his values. And so for their judgment, for themselves also, the judgment looms. Remember what Paul says in, at the end of Romans chapter 1. We're talking now about judgment upon Satan and his kingdom, Satan and his followers. But listen to this. Remember what Romans 2, 1 said. Um, they know all those who have, have, who have rejected the Lord and are living disobedient lives, they know God's righteous decree that those who practice such things deserve to die. People know that. Yes, they suppress that truth and unrighteousness, but they know there is an accounting. The evil one stands condemned at the cross, and so do his followers. But the Holy, verse, uh, the Holy Spirit who convicts of sin also convinces of grace. And again, working in heart after heart after heart to enable people to say, I was wrong. I need to be forgiven. I'm guilty. And the Holy Spirit opens our ears and applies truth to one person after another. For that, we give praise. How do we quench that ministry of the Spirit? How do we stand in the way of that ministry of the Spirit? We quench that ministry of the Spirit by having little interest in His ministry. By having little interest in the work of the Holy Spirit to convict people of sin, but also to convince them of His grace. I want to conclude with, with two points as we work through what does it mean to walk in a way consistent with and in partnership with the Holy Spirit. We learn more and more to depend on the Helper, to depend on the Paraclete, to depend on the Holy Spirit. We, we, have, we often have um, an attitude uh, within us that our weakness, our human weakness, um, disqualifies us to be useful in God's kingdom. I can't, I can't witness. I'm too weak. Um, I don't have the compassion that we see that Jesus has. 
Remember, he said people were sheep without a shepherd. They were harassed and and helpless. And all I am is irritated, annoyed by them. I'm not smart enough. I don't know how to have a discussion about about, uh, to defend the faith with another person. And I know I'm not good enough. I don't have enough courage. There is pressure, self-imposed pressure, to be strong and to be good enough to be a witness. And I would say, my dear friends, that is looking at life in exactly the opposite way. For it is in your weakness and not your strength that you come to know God. We say with Paul, um, his power is perfected in me. It's made perfect in my weakness, not in my strength. We could say that you don't outgrow your dependence upon the Spirit. In fact, as finite creatures, our limitations always have a purpose. It is so that we depend upon God hourly, daily and hourly. And we might say... um, as one of my earlier disciples said, cheer up, you're worse than you think. Do you remember that? Well, this time you could, we could change this around and say, cheer up, you're weaker than you think. But the Spirit is stronger and more generous than you can possibly imagine. Jesus taught his disciples not to fear. He told them that repeatedly. And the Spirit says the same thing to you and me today. The fear, this is, a, this is a proverb that has been, I've been repeating and, and going over each day and each morning in my prayers in recent weeks. The, the fear of man, uh, the fear of man lays a snare, lays a trap. Um, whoever trusts in the Lord is safe. That's, that's beautiful, isn't it? We spend more time being af- afraid of people, what they think and what they say. And it's a snare. It immobilizes us. But whoever trusts in the Lord is safe. You're you're learning something about embracing your weakness, embracing what is true, and being able to walk um, in that safety. So depending on the Spirit, depending on our Helper, means, if you will, embracing your weakness, not hiding from it, acknowledging it, taking it to Him, and, and say, Lord, help me, I'm a mess. Help me, I'm a mess. I need help. I don't know how to love this person. I don't know how to forgive this person. I don't know how to I don't know how to endure in this situation. I just don't. Help me. And those are the prayers that fly up to the heart of God before they're out of your mouth. The, the second thing we do, in order not to quench the spirit with his um, with his ministry of, of, of bringing conviction of sin, but also bringing, bringing the um, um, convincing of, of Jesus to people, is we oftentimes just don't pray for this. We don't pray for it. So, so secondly here, not only, not, only, uh, not only embrace your weakness and take that to the Lord, but, but pray with others for the Spirit's work. Pray with others for 
the Spirit's work. You see, the Holy Spirit has already convicted people. They crucified Christ. They love their own righteousness. They know that judgment is coming. They are guilty and they know it. The Spirit's already done that work of convicting, okay? But we will pray, purpose to pray. Um, Holy Spirit, convince them now to trust Jesus, not die in desperation. Convince them to trust Jesus, incline their hearts to believe. And I will say, if we are not doing that, if that doesn't characterize our lives, and I say this humbly, we, we, have, we are quenching the ministry of the Spirit. So we pray. We pray, but we do not pray alone. We learn from the example of the early church that they prayed together for boldness. They would gather together. In, in fact, uh, praying for them was a mark of their faithfulness. They were devoted, as is often spoken, they were devoted to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, the Lord's Supper, and to the prayers. Not just prayer, but the prayers, the prayers of the church. And the Catechism wisely um, counsels us to pray with and for one another. Very few can keep the evangelistic fire lit on their own. Very few can keep that evangelistic fire in their heart on their own. And that's why we provide many opportunities for people to pray together. Some gather just as friends to pray. Um, others have joined us on this strange medium called Zoom. <laughs> but, a, but a solid group of people praying there, and not just praying for themselves, but praying for you, praying for others, praying for the Spirit to do a work of convincing to bring people to the Lord. Tonight we're going to gather for our monthly evening prayers. And... We pray that it's not just a time to focus upon our needs, although that's important. We do pray for one another, but we pray also that as individuals are working with others and loving others who are outside of Christ, we're praying for Christ, for the Spirit to work in them, to convince them of the beauty of Jesus and the freedom of forgiveness of sins. And Come, come. Don't quench the Spirit by not praying for what's on His heart. Some of you have been praying for a long time for people in your families, people that you love in your neighborhoods, people nearby. And I would say, dear friends, and my goodness, do I speak this to myself as well, pray for the Spirit to give life to the dead until he does. Don't stop. Don't quench the Spirit. Pray for the Spirit's work. You might feel the same way the disciples did, all alone, (laughs) getting ready to be opposed by all kinds of people in their world. People who couldn't think about Jesus without cursing him. And you might wish 
like them, that he would stick around to turn things around. Amazingly, he's done something better. He sent the Spirit. It's better this way, um, because if you know Christ, you have the Spirit who specializes in working where you're the weakest. That's his specialty, working in your weakness. Um, do, you, do you know him? You might have even grown up in the church and you've heard all about Jesus, but you've never trusted him. And so today um, is a great day, a great day to be honest with the Lord and to come to him and say, Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner. I've sinned. I'm guilty. And I want you. Holy Spirit, help me. Let's pray. Father, help us this day. Holy Spirit, minister in our hearts this day um, to know you more deeply. And we pray, Holy Spirit, that you would, you would take the blinders off our eyes, the dimmers off our eyes, that we might see you with greater clarity and marvel more deeply at your majesty your mercy, your goodness, your holiness, your righteousness, your kindness, your mercy and forgiveness. That these things wouldn't just be Christian labels that roll off our tongues. They would be life-changing, earth-shattering realities for each one of us. I pray this in the name of the Lord Jesus.